Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Are you ready to get in the Word? 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is connected to our one-year Bible reading. Uh, we're in 1 Samuel and we're studying the life of David. Last week we talked about from shepherd to king. From shepherd to king. Today the title of the message is simply this. The man in the middle. The man in the middle. I want to teach you out of, I think, probably one of the most famous battles in all the Bible. I want to talk to you about David and Goliath. Come on, somebody say the man in the middle. Now listen, it's not the man in the mirror. I'm starting with the man in the middle. I know some of you think about, wait, man in the middle? No, the man, we'll, we'll show you how important this is in just a minute. Check this out. Verse 8, 1 Samuel 17, 8. The Bible says this, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. He says, why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion. But you were only the servants of Saul. Choose one man. Somebody say one man. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man. Come on, somebody say a man. Send me a man who will fight me. Verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now, this is familiar to most of us. If you're new to church or new to the Bible, you'll see uh, uh, the history of the Israelites fighting the Philistines. Uh, Goliath, the Bible tells us, some scholars say he was nine feet tall. Some believe that he was as tall as 13 feet. I mean, that's a big man. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a large human being. He says, I am the Philistine champion. Now, the word champion in Hebrew literally translates into this, the man in the middle. Did you know that? When he says, I am the champion, the Philistine champion, he's declaring that he is the man in between. You know the story, the Israelites faced off against the Philistines in the Valley of Elah. And, and some of the context to this, in ancient days, there were times that armies didn't fight each other, but they sent a representative, one who would be an ambassador of their nation. And so it wasn't army against army, but it was one nation's best warrior against the other nation's best warrior. Scripture tells us that there was this standoff between the Israelites and the Philistines for 40 days in this valley, Goliath would taunt the armies of Israel, defying their God. He would, he would harass them and torment them. And Goliath was winning simply by fear and intimidation alone. There was no physical conflict, but you can see the Philistines had the momentum because Goliath was so intimidating. Can I tell you this? I believe that the enemy of your soul will use fear and intimidation. I think those are his two favorite weapons of choice. The devil has no power, only the power to deceive. 
You know, the cross stripped the devil of his power. So what does he use? He uses fear and intimidation. Some of you know what it's like to be tormented by fear and intimidation. Some of you wake up in the morning with thoughts of dread and anxiety and worry and stress. Some of you go to bed each night reflecting on the season that you're in, the battles that you're fighting, and they may not be physical, but they are definitely mental and emotional. Come on, talk to me. See, the devil will love. If, if he can get you right here, he's got you. The battlefield is in the mind. Can I have a good amen? And the Philistines were a thorn in the Israelites' flesh. Anybody have a thorn in their flesh? Now, don't be pointing to your spouse up in here, all right? Just, I mean, just nagging, harassing. Maybe there's a, there's a habit. There, there, there's a situation at work. Maybe there's something going on with your family. Maybe it's a financial thing that has just harassed you and hung over your head for days. The scripture says 40 straight days. Enter a young shepherd boy named David. Here he, he shows up unannounced. He's just running an errand for his dad. His dad goes to David one morning and says, listen, here, here's some cheese and here's some bread. Why don't you take this to the battlefield and check on your brothers for me? David is delivering cheesy bread. I mean, he's like the little Caesar's delivery guy. Come on. He's just running. There's nothing specific. David was not special forces, okay? I want to just correct our thinking. Some of us think, well, well, God sent David. No, no. He just kind of, he shows up simply by being faithful, running an errand for his father. He's not some hero, some special trained, special ops, you know, Green Beret, Army Ranger. He's not that at all. He's delivering a pizza. You know, I, I love this story because I think supernatural opportunities come out of ordinary, faithful moments. Some of us are looking for the one-time heroic event, and God just wants you to be faithful with what he's put in your hand. Just ordinary faithfulness. Come on, somebody say ordinary faithfulness. Out of ordinary faithfulness comes extraordinary opportunities. I love this. I am a firm believer in just daily faithfulness. I really am. I, I take the kids to school. I take Trevor to school, and I'll tell him on the way to school. I say, son, this could be the best day of your life. I tell him that. And you know what he says? Nope. I'm like, why not? He says, because I'm going to school. I'm like, dude, you, you, you just never know what a day holds. This day would be different. Now, Goliath wasn't the only battle that had to be fought that day. How many of you know there's the battle before the battle? I want to talk to you about it. Before we ever get to David versus Goliath, I want you to see a couple of things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, write down the word criticism. Somebody say criticism. Anybody know anything about critics? Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Check this out. Verse 28. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? Oh, I know all about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Okay, now, now remember, remember in the previous chapter, 
when David was anointed by Samuel, the Bible says that Samuel anointed David to be king in front of all of his brothers. Eliab was the oldest brother. He was the brother that when Samuel first saw him thought, okay, God, surely he's the one. And that's the one where God said, no, 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 no. Don't look at the outward appearance. You got to look at the heart. Here comes Eliab. Now we're seeing Eliab's heart, all right? Watch this as, as Eliab attacked David's character. You know, some of you understand criticism, and you have had people that have attacked your character. They have come at you. They have questioned your motives. They've said things like, well, you don't belong here. Or they've tried to minimize your assignment. Notice what Eliab said. Hey, what about those few sheep that you're supposed to be watching? You know, sometimes your critics will try to make you feel small. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? They'll try to minimize. Listen, God saw David in his daily faithfulness out in the sheep field. And it was daily faithfulness in the sheep field that prepared David for the battlefield. Come on, can I have a better amen? See this attack on his character. I mean, he's being criticized by his brother. I mean, his own family. Can I tell you something about critics? You will never be criticized by someone doing more than you. Your critics are always doing less than you are. In fact, and they know it. And so the only thing they can do is try to tear you down so they can lift themselves up. Are you with me? Oh, be careful. Sometimes it's those who are closest to you. They're the ones that hurt you the most. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, if I had a B3 organ right now, we'd be having church up in here. It's those that are closest to you sometimes that can hurt you the most. Uh, Consider this. How did Judas betray Jesus? What did he do? He kissed him. You know what that tells me? That public affection for someone doesn't always tell the full story. Oh, they can kiss you on your cheek and then they can stab you in your back. Come on, somebody. Mm-mm-mm. Does anybody know a thing about criticism in here? And it's like the minute you step out to pursue the dream, the faith, you know, the calling of God on your life, critics, they just seem to rise out of nowhere. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to learn to silence negative voices. And sometimes those voices are inside your own head. You know, and they don't start inside your head. Maybe it starts from somebody close to you, somebody that you thought had your back, somebody that, that you thought believed in you, but eventually you've listened to their voice, and their voice has become your voice. Can I tell you, words matter. Words are declarations. Words are affirmations. And some of you are using words to affirm negative things in your life. In fact, I'll say this. Whatever you affirm, you make stronger. Now, that can work for you or that can work against you. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost helping somebody right now. Some of you need to check. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. This self-talk that's going on inside. You see, in every conversation, in this message right now, there are always two voices. There's, number one, my voice to you, but then there's a second voice. There's your voice to you based on what I'm telling you. 
And some of you need to learn to silence the negative voice inside of you. Uh, there's a great scripture, 1 Peter 2.15. I love this verse. God showed me this verse 10 years ago at a time when I needed it the most because I was on the hot seat and I felt like I had critics around every corner. And I discovered this verse and the Bible says, for it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. How do you put to silence the ignorant talk of foolish people? Just keep doing good. Man, you just set your eyes on the prize. Don't let your critic become your distractor. See, some of you are getting off course because you're listening, you're listening to the criticism around you. Hear this from your pastor. Your destiny is too important to get poisoned by what everybody else around you thinks. When you listen to your critics, you start to live out of a defensive place. You start to instinctively, intuitively just defend. Have you seen these people that are always defensive? Maybe because they're giving too much ear to the critics around them. And I'll tell you this. When you listen to the critics around you, it may develop a critic inside of you. Mm, 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 mm. Turn to your neighbor and say, boy, this is good preaching today. Oh, yeah. When you give too much ear to the critics around you, you start to become cynical and critic on the inside of you. I just made a decision when I get up in the pulpit, I'm just acting like everybody out there loves me. <laughs> I have just made up my mind. Hey, leave me to my own ignorance, okay? Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. I know I got haters out there. I know they're out there. I know I got YouTubers out there that are, are just peace in every moment of this message and criticism. I know they're out there. I've seen it. I've seen it. But I just like to come here on a Sunday and pretend, man, people love me. Oh, this is, this is a safe place to learn and to grow. Now, 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 let me be quick to say this, because there is something called constructive criticism, okay? Uh, don't, don't think that I'm up here just wanting to feel good stuff, and I'll only listen to the stuff that makes me happy. I know sometimes faithful are the wounds of a friend. And you know, some people would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism, all right? I, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that I don't have all my stuff together. But what I'm talking about in this story is something that's destructive, not constructive. Eliab was David's oldest brother, and he questioned his motives. He attacked his character, and David had to stand firm against it. Not only was his character attacked, but check this, his capacity was questioned. Uh, they question his own capacity. Look at what, what Saul says to David. Check this out, verse 32. David tells King Saul, hey, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Look at what Saul says in verse 33. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think that was the accent that he had, but I just... Oh, my mind. <laughs> if you only knew what was happening in my head right now. Don't be ridiculous, he says. There's no way. Oh, I like this. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. Hmm. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Let me ask you this question. Whose fight is this? Who is supposed to be fighting Goliath. Shouldn't it be King Saul? Isn't Saul the king? Is Saul the seasoned warrior? 
Doesn't the scripture tell us that Saul stood head and shoulders above the rest? I mean, David is just a boy. You're right. But the reason why the boy has stepped up is because the man has sat down. Hmm. That was the Holy Ghost because I didn't have that in my notes. We need men to step up. Quit sending our boys into battles because those are our giants to fight. You see, listen, parents, check this out, moms, dads, if we don't fight the Goliath in front of us today, it will create the giant for our kids to fight tomorrow. This was never David's battle to fight. Some of you are fighting battles right now that your parents didn't fight when they should have. They should have, slay, they, they should have slayed that, that Goliath of alcoholism or addiction, and they didn't. And that spirit of divorce and, 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 and brokenness, it has followed your family for generations. Somebody's got to stand up and fight a giant. Because if you'll fight the giant today, now listen, your kids, they'll have to fight their own battles. Man, they, they have their own ch challenges, but let's don't give them more to fight because we refused to handle what was in front of us. David said, there's no way. Dave, Saul told David, there's no way. You're just a boy. You will never win. You don't have what it takes. Hear me, church. When you let others create your world for you, they will always create it too small. Somebody needs to write that down. Some of you are living in a small box that's been created by the expectations of others. Come on, somebody say, say criticism. criticism. Number two, say confidence. Oh, I love it. Oh, we got to turn the corner. You see, if David would have listened to his brother, if he would have listened to his leader, the king, he would have never stepped onto the battlefield. Some of you, you got to overcome the critics around you and even the critic inside of you to step into the destiny in front of you. Watch what David does here. Look, watch how his confidence just begins to grow. If you read this on your own, 1 Samuel 17, verse 24, David says, hey, who is this guy? Then in verse 25, he says, somebody ought to do something. And then in verse 32, he says, I'll fight. And then in verse 36, he says, I will win. You see, if God's going to call you to fight in a battle, he's going to give you everything you need to be victorious. You're not going to fight a battle without the help of God. If God is in it, then victory is secured. Now, why was David so confident? Well, he was confident because he understood his calling. He knew he was called by God. Remember in the previous chapter, remember last week, we talked about Samuel anointing David with, with that uh, olive oil. And as it dripped over his head, there was a, a declaration on his life. You will be the next king of Israel. David knew that. So he's saying, man, if I'm going to be the next king of Israel, I'll fight that giant because I'm not king yet and I'm not dying today. God gave David a promise. He says, David, you're going to be king. He was just a shepherd boy. Well, let me fight him. Now, he may beat me, but he won't kill me because I'm not king yet. You see, David knew his calling. Some of you need to grow confident in your calling. 
Now, not cocky. I'm not talking about. There's a difference between arrogance and confidence. When you know you've been called by the Lord. (laughs) Man, I love this. Listen, when you have the favor of God, you don't care about the opinions of man. I wish if I could go back and talk to the younger version of Mike Heyman. Have you ever wanted to go back 20 or 30 years and talk to the younger version of yourself? What would you tell yourself? I'd say, Mike, (laughs) quit caring about what everyone thinks. I, I put way too much stock into the opinions of others, and I allowed fear and intimidation to put me into a small box. See, David was confident because he understood his calling. Check this out. But he also knew his experience. He was prepared by God. Look at what it says in verse 34. David, he persisted. Hey, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, oh, I go after it. And I club him, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. How many wants to punch somebody right now? (laughs) Just feeling violent. And I club it to death. Look at what he says in verse 36. I've done this both to lions and to bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living. Does anybody care about the honor and the integrity of our living God? Wait a minute. You're not going to let me. Who? You, he said what? You're going to let him get. Oh, oh, no, you didn't. What was David doing? He talked about the lions and the bears. Can I tell you this, church? You will never kill giants if you're complaining about the lions and the bears. He could have thought, man, that was a bad day in the sheep field. Man, I'm fighting lions and bears. Dad, I'm tired of all this. There's all guts, no glory. I'm done with this. I don't want to be a shepherd anymore. See, some of you are complaining about your trials now. But listen, trials are simply training. The trial that you're walking through now is training for the battlefield that you're about to step into. You won't defeat Goliath if you complain about the lions and the bears. Listen, David had an experience with God. He understood his calling. Man, he understood the training and the preparation. And finally, his motives were pure. He was doing it for the glory and the honor of God himself. David was not seeking his own fame. Man, it wasn't about his name. Man, it was about the reputation of God among the nations of the world. Look at what it says in verse 26. He says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You see, David, he he could have lost his life. He had a whole lot to lose. He had a whole lot to gain. I mean, Saul said, whoever fights Goliath doesn't have to pay taxes for a year. Come on, how many like like that deal right there? No taxes. Lots of money, and I'll give you my daughter in marriage. Man, here Saul is trying to bribe others to fight his battle. David could have lost his life. He could have gained a lot of wealth, but it wasn't what he was going to lose or gain that motivated him the most. It was the honor of the Lord God Almighty. David's motive was pure. So you know what Saul says? Well, okay, if you're going to fight him, you might as well use this armor right here. Let me give you 
my armor. You know why? Because Saul had no intention of using his armor. So he's going to give it to a little shepherd boy. And the Bible says that, that David steps into it and tries to feel it out and figure it out. And he's like, oh, I can't do this. It's just not me. Can I tell you this? Don't fight Goliath wearing somebody else's armor. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is a big lesson for me because there, there was all this, man, I saw the way he did it, the way she said it, and man, they were successful there. So I was trying to do everything everybody else's way. You'll never win fighting Goliath trying to imitate somebody else. Now, God anoints inspiration, but not imitation. You got to go with what you know. Be yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, be yourself. It is exhausting trying to fight Goliath wearing somebody else's armor, trying to imitate the way that they said it, the way that they did it, and how, man, it worked for them. Listen, that's great, but don't put your source in a method. Put your trust in the man. He's created you an original. If you will be yourself, then God can be himself to you. I went through a season in my life where I had to learn this. Man, I couldn't wear anybody else's armor. I had to go with a rock in my pocket and with God in my heart. And if you will be yourself, God will flow through that originality, that authenticity. You don't have to say it like he said it or do it like she did it. But before God, man, his spirit in and through you. Why? Because when success happens, God gets all the glory. You won't be able to take credit for anything. You won't be able to point to Saul's armor. Man, you won't be able to, 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 to give anything honor or praise but God himself. Check this out. You know, it, it's funny because everybody in the nation of Israel, they thought Goliath was too big to fight. But David knew that Goliath was too big to miss. Scripture says this. Check this out. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin. Oh, but I come to you how? In the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. How many of you, you don't want to make God mad? Man, make them all mad. But listen, I want God as a friend. I want to be on God's side. He said, that's the God that you've defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Now, who's doing the conquering? The Lord's going to conquer you, and I will... I will kill you, and I will cut off your head. Parents with small kids, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not giving you the PG version. This is the, this is the authentic scripture. The word, it's kind of violent, but look at what it says. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know what? That there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues, but not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Can I have a good amen? Somebody say criticism. Say confidence. Say champion. This is where the champion enters the fight. Now, you know the Bible says, and I want to ask the band to come up. The Bible says that David had five smooth stones. Five. Why five stones? Some scholars think that Goliath had four brothers. Goliath, this one's for you. This is for your brother, your other brother, him. Oh, I got you too. 
Maybe. Maybe this was an insurance policy. Man, if I swing and miss, I'm going to throw my best rock. But if that one doesn't do it, I'll get another rock. Maybe it's about determination. He said, you know what? And some of you, you got to sling rocks at your giant. You know what? If prayer doesn't get it, grab another rock. Maybe fasting will. If prayer and fasting don't get it, grab another rock. Pray in the Holy Ghost. If prayer and fasting and speaking in tongues don't get it, grab another rock. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. If prayer and fasting and Holy Ghost talking and, and the agreement of the believers don't get it, grab another rock. Just don't give up. Man, you persevere again and again and again. We're going to sling another rock. We're going to have a Holy Ghost party. Something's about to happen. Something's going to fall. The Bible says as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into the shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling, and he hit the Philistine right in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath, this Philistine champion, this man in the middle, he staggers, and he falls face to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Some of you fighting battles, and you're using the wrong equipment. Then David ran over, pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath, used it to kill him, cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. Now, here's where, where I wanted to finish this, because it's important. This is probably the, the most important piece of all that we've talked about. And I understand criticism, and I understand confidence, but this whole story points to the ultimate champion. Who is the man in the middle. You see, Goliath was the first champion. He stepped out representing the Philistines. David was the second champion. He stepped out and to represent the Israelites. But ultimately, it was God. Jesus himself is our champion. We read the story of David and Goliath, and all of us, you're like me, we want to play the part of the hero. I want to be David. I like to think I am. I'm not. Neither are you. You know who we are? We're the scared Israelites. That's who we are. And you know what we need? A champion. We need somebody to step out and be the man in the middle. Somebody. Listen, Jesus endured criticism, did he not? His own brothers didn't believe him made fun of him. He was criticized by his leaders, the religious leaders of the day. In fact, they had him crucified. Oh, well, and when Jesus hung on the cross, he was literally the man in the middle. Thieves on either side, and Jesus was the go-between. He was the champion that fought not just Goliath, but the Goliaths of our lives. The sin that holds you at its mercy, you need a champion, and his name is Jesus. Come on, do you receive that today? Put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.